Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to the first edition of our Montega Spotlight podcast for 2023. And welcome also to Andrew Mackin. Hi, Andy. Hi. Hey, Chris. Good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to uh, all of Montega's listeners as well. Thank you. It's great, great to be back. Although we've been back for uh, the last three or four weeks already, um, back at the desk and hard at work, and there's been no shortage of excitement in markets and now we're into another reporting season so there's there's plenty to be done but i i, I thought what we'd do um without getting into into all of that just yet is take a big step back and just talk a little bit about how you see the montica montica and markets and the landscape coming into 2023 yeah, so I mean, 2022 was a pretty horrific year for um, many stocks and many sectors, uh, as we all know, um, with the one big exception of like energy. Like if you just owned lots of oil companies last year, you would have done exceptionally well. Um, we've made the point several times, and I think it's very true today. Um, you know, what worked in the year of 2022 won't work um, nearly as well or, or even well at all uh, over any sort of medium or longer term period into the future. Um, but yeah, so a lot of stocks were down, a lot of high quality businesses saw their stock prices fall significantly last year. And so we kind of come into this new year and say, well, what's going on? Um, and, you know, of course, a, a major driver of weak stock prices last year was um, central banks around the world were tightening their, their monetary policies or increasing interest rates, as we all know, um, to combat inflation and um, the reason why that's bad for stock prices, it's kind of twofold. Um, one is on kind of the valuation multiple of earnings, so to speak. As interest rates go higher, the, the multiple goes lower. Um, and then the other is, is to do with uh, investor expectations of you know, future earnings growth. So um, Basically, the theory of the case is, oh, well, if if uh, interest rates go higher, then the economy will slow. And if the economy is slower, then earnings growth will be slower for all, all of these companies. And, you know, all else being equal, if a company has lower earnings growth tomorrow than it did yesterday, then it's probably going to be worth less as well. So those those two dynamics kind of multiply, if you want, or sort of compound and and, and combine. And, and the, that's why you get um, some pretty significant price declines that we saw. Uh, in 2022, especially in the sectors that uh, tend to be a bit higher growth, such as technology, and of course, Montica has, um, you know, many investments in that space. Uh, and of course, Montica um, wore a lot of the pain uh, in 2022 as well. So, um, I mean, that that was the year. And as we enter 2023, I mean, the question is, like, where are we? Is that dynamic going to continue? And really yeah that's right or is it is it is it different what's uh what's yeah well what's I, different and why is it exciting well yeah well i mean it's it's exciting the, the the summary is it's exciting because the price declines of 2022 have created a big opportunity to buy really great businesses um, which will generate very strong returns for you know many years into the future um the reason why the dynamics of 2022, we believe, probably won't persist this year uh, is because primarily inflation, we believe, has peaked in the US. Um, and 
it's actually really now started to moderate quite significantly. Um, US economic growth has really started to slow. And so, um, you know, the probability of, you know, interest rates continually increasing throughout 2023, we think is very, very low. Um, of course, we're recording this literally like one hour and 52 minutes after um, the Fed just announced their most recent um, quarter point interest rate hike. Um, but the markets rallied significantly in the in the hours after that, um, which is a bit odd. You so why why are the markets rallying um, after a, an interest rate hike? Well, I think it's because uh, even even Jerome Powell, who's the chairman of the Fed over here in the U.S., um, really acknowledged that that uh, inflation had really started to moderate and that growth had really started to slow. Um, which counterintuitively is actually a good thing because it means they'll need to hike rates less um, going forward. Um, and also we made the very important point that, you know, we've been making for quite some time, which is, um, you know, it takes quite a while for these interest rate hikes to kind of kick in. So they've hiked um, rates many, many times throughout the course of 2022 in a very short period. Um, interest rates have gone from basically nothing to quite high. And the full effect of that won't be felt, you know, for at least another year or so. So um, the temptation is to sort of think, oh, done all these interest rate hikes and they're not really working, when actually they're really going to kick in sort of down the track, probably at a time when you don't really need them. And if anything, the, the US economy could be in recession. Anyway, that's that's all like a very interesting macro discussion. The, the upshot of all of that is that we think that the hikes, interest rate hikes are probably done from here on in. And actually the probability of interest rate cuts, believe it or not, uh, have increased substantially. Um, and so all that means is that you've got a much more um, conducive environment for equities uh, at a time when um, the uh, entry points, if you like, for, for those who do not own many of the world's highest quality businesses, um, which which we think Montega does own, um, those prices, those stock prices have come down really quite significantly over the, the course of the last year. And so you've actually got now this great opportunity to buy into um, many of these uh, much more cheaply than they were a year ago uh, in an environment which is going from not particularly favourable for equities to potentially quite, quite favourable. So, yeah, we think it's a really quite a different setup for 2023. So then what does the portfolio look like for us heading into 2023? What um, what are some of the changes and what are some of the things that have stayed the same? Um, yeah, I mean, really us? most of it, the short answer is that most of it's actually stayed the same, um, believe it or not. And there's, a little, so, there's a little bit of a leading question. Got yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I wish there were more changes because then we'd probably have more to talk about. But um, <laughs> no, the, the portfolio has stayed the same and it's not through lack of trying, um, as of course, you know, just as well as I do, um, we're continually pressure testing new new ideas to see if they're candidates to um, be included in Montague's portfolio. And while we've found several really great businesses over the course of the last year, which are significantly undervalued, when you compare them to the quality and valuation discount of Montague's existing holdings, they just can't get there. As in, like, 
you don't want to sell anything that we have in order to include the new mm. the new business because you know the opportunity is so much greater in the businesses that we already own. And so, you know, where does that leave us? I mean, our our, our portfolio, as as many um, you know listeners uh, or regular listeners will already know, there's you know significant exposure to the cloud computing space. There's significant exposure to um, enterprise digital transformation, and and you know those businesses which are delivering um, uh, enterprise software, which is mission critical and and for which has very little competition. Um, E-commerce, we're well represented. Digital advertising, um, well represented. Um, and then in the on the non-tech side of things, uh, you know, very significant positions still um, in the alternative asset managers such as Blackstone. Um, those guys, by the way, will really thrive and prosper uh, in the uh, macroeconomic environment we just described. Um, and uh, I mean. One position that we we've been in for many years, but we scaled up quite significantly, uh, is S and P Global. Um, it's a, I guess it's a bit of a mixture of a, a financial services business. Of course, they do the uh, the credit ratings on um, global bonds that are issued by companies and governments around the world. Um, but you know, they're also arguably a, a technology business as well. They have you know Capital IQ as sort of a a um, digital data uh, platform, a bit like Bloomberg, um, that is sold on subscription to, uh, you know, businesses like Montica um, all around the world. So, um, you know, they're, they're a very high quality compound, a very high margins, very little capital to drive their growth, um, very uh, significant um, market leading positions in their markets with very high barriers to entry. And they've been sold off, you know, like many things, they, they were sold off significantly in 2022 because, um, Primarily, they sort of hit an air pocket, if you like, um, with global issuance drying up through the course of 2022. And so their earnings took a, a little bit of a temporary blip. Um, so earnings earnings got whacked, um, multiple got whacked because of a higher interest rate. So the valuation came right down. But as we just described, like that's all going to come back. Issuance is going to come roaring back um, starting this year. Uh, the multiple will come back once uh, interest rates stop increasing, which we think has just happened today and and will start to fall. So we think it's just a, another really nice entry point. And so we've scaled that position up from being small. Um, and then similarly, like we had a, a larger position in a business like United Health, which we're still there, but we've just scaled that one down a bit. Um, it's it's the sort of business that will actually do better in a rising rate environment and, and relatively um, poorer in a, in a sort of flat or declining interest rate environment. So a few minor augmentations around the sides, but but really the, the core of the portfolio just has not changed. Uh, and it's fair to say that some of these businesses, not most of these businesses, are still experiencing the headwinds from the tougher macro environment that we went into in 2022, right? They haven't come out the other side just yet. Yeah, actually, that's a, and that's a really important point. I think that's going to be the theme of at least the first half of 2023 and possibly longer. Yeah. And and this theme is going to be, you know, expect the fundamentals of these businesses to continue to erode in, in the sense that, you know, growth will slow a bit. Um, you know, maybe margins uh, may compress a little. Uh, so that dynamic will continue to play out. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, 
my goodness, that doesn't sound particularly great. Um, no, why would I want to? No, why, are you, why are you owning these stocks? <laughs> yeah, why, why, are you why owning are you these so... stocks this year? Yeah, yeah why, exactly. Why, why, if it, it doesn't sound particularly attractive over the next six to 12 months. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Not selling this one. Um, so the reason why it's, it's potentially uh, still interesting is because the expectations that are priced into the stock, which are reflected in its stock price or in a business's stock price, are down so significantly that even with those slowing growth and slightly eroding margins throughout the course of this year, we think that the probability of um, stock prices surprising to the upside is is very, very high. So sort of it's basically saying ex, you know fundamentals may erode a little, but expectations are for a much, much greater erosion, and therefore the surprise will be positive, uh, and therefore stock prices will go up. That's basically the argument. Um, and I will say, like, you've already seen this. I know we're only what, four weeks into the new year, but you've already seen this. Um, I actually happened to be looking just yesterday in at the home builders sector, which we don't we don't own any home builders, but it's it's just mm. a very interesting sector. You think if there was any sector that is absolutely um, in the doghouse at the moment over here in the US, it's got to be the the home builders. Um, in the most recent Q4 GDP numbers, by the way, like residential investment was down on a 27% annualized rate, which is actually the same rate of decline as Q2 in 2020, when like the entire economy was in lockdown because of COVID. So like this whole sector has, is getting absolutely punished fundamentally uh, at the moment. And yet the equities of home builders over the same last three months are up between 30 and 50%. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's crazy. Yeah, stock markets really do look forward and in anticipate changes. Yeah, and they're not um, they're not looking backwards. I had a similar example that um, I I saw just the other day, um, a chart which showed that companies, at least this earnings season, that are missing earnings expectations. And what we mean by missing earnings expectations is that their reported earnings come in at a number. Um, below what consensus research analysts um, um, have published. Those, those stocks are actually outperforming the market and doing relatively well in yeah. the days after they, they report. And the suggestion there is that despite a set of numbers by half a dozen or a dozen bank analysts being published, the expectations amongst the investment community are already so low for, for a lot of these stocks that even when they publish results that don't look very good, the, the stocks are actually being rewarded because that's already being priced in and the market's looking forward and moving on from that already. And I think we're, yeah, I think we're seeing that in a few different places now. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, Blackstone comes to mind. Um, I'm just looking at them now. They, I mean, they reported last week, um, you know, some weaker numbers, a few, challenges associated with the the weakening macro environment like we described and yet this year the stock's up 31 percent so far so mm. yeah i mean weak expectations i.e lower stock prices are um you know the they actually mean the investments are far less risky not more risky even though they feel like they're more risky but you know the the, the greatest way to de-risk an investment is to to buy it at a very low price and Really, that's what 2022 gave us. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, we expect that to be the theme of this year.
And I think that's an opportunity, not just for 2023 for our portfolio, um, but I think for far beyond that as well. It's a great entry point for some of these, some of these transformations that will take place over the next five and, and 10 years, which is what we're investing for. Yeah, yeah, agree with that. I think that's a, it's an excellent way to kick off the year and to level set before we, we really get into it. And I think next time we'll spend some time talking about this reporting season, which we're in the, the middle of. Um, but I know that there's, there's one more thing that you want to talk about before we, we wrap up this, this podcast and something that our investors and, uh, and listeners and readers can look forward to over the next few weeks. Yeah, so we've just released um, in this Montica, in this month's Montego Monocle um, our latest white paper, um, and uh, it's it really asks the question, you know, is is technology investing dead? Um, you know, was was twenty twenty two kind of the end of what was a really big you know decade long bubble, and that's fine to come to an end. And and that's that, or is um, 2022 actually uh, you know just a a temporary blip in an otherwise you know structural uh, increase in in value add from the digital sector? Um, and you know we we analyze that question from first principles. Um, I know we own a lot of technology businesses, but I've said it several times, and I'll say it again. Like we don't, like Montica does not identify as a technology-focused investment firm. We're, we are generalists. We will go in any sector where we can find um, very high-quality businesses that we can own um, when they're undervalued. And yet, if you take a step back and say, well, how would I go about finding pockets of the economy that could be quite fertile for these sorts of investments? We basically asked that question, um, and in this quite lengthy and detailed white paper, um, you'll see that technology is is technology's contribution to corporate earnings at the aggregate level has just been on a structural increase for like decades, not not the last five years or ten years or even twenty years, but we're talking like forty years, um, and we go into why that is a bit of the history and why we think that that will continue. But, he, he, you know, so it's quite important because it says that here's a, a chunk of the economy which is growing structurally at above average rates of growth, above average um, levels of profitability. And so we think that that's pretty fertile ground um, to go looking for um, the types of businesses that Montica will, will seek to own. Very high quality businesses, um, well positioned in structural transformations that we can buy while they're undervalued. And of course, 2022 has made a... That that last piece of the puzzle, buying <laughs> stocks when they're undervalued, um, a whole lot easier. Um, so yeah, please take a take a read, um, and uh, as you say, we'll we'll dig into that um, more deeply in our next podcast. Absolutely. Well, let's leave it there for this month. Thank you very much. That was uh, an an excellent way to kick off the year. Great. Thanks, Chris.